Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to the Auburn Express. What's up in War Eagle, War Report family? You got Ike Jones back with another morning drive. Today, we are going to continue the conversation about the staff changes around Auburn. Did Auburn football get better this offseason as far as the staff is concerned? Y'all know how we do right here, War Report style. Let's drop it on. Now listening to the Wall Report. Morning drop. It is Wednesday, January 31st. January is already at an end. It's crazy to say that, but we are here talking a little bit more Auburn football right now. And on the brink of going into the spring, staff is complete. The question is whether or not Auburn got better in their staff overall with the departures and with the new arrivals. Uh, before we get into the conversation, y'all please do the necessary out there, sharing the video on social media at The War Report. Make sure that you're liking the video, thumbs up on it, subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. Uh, but it's a really simple question um, about whether or not we got better. Uh, well, first and foremost, Y'all know we got basketball tonight, so we'll be doing some basketball content at some point in time. So make sure you guys are locked in with that. Um, but let's talk about the people who who left, right? Um, some great Auburn players left. Some guys who had been with the program before Coach Hugh Freeze got there stuck it through um, that first season. Uh, but you know, of course, we had offensive coordinator. Philip Montgomery exit the program during the offseason. He was let go um, pretty soon after the bowl game. Then, and after a few weeks later, you have Cadillac Williams resign, Zach Etheridge resign, and then Ron Roberts uh, leave and go and get a job over in Florida. So four of the guys that were on the field staff gone after the first offseason here with Coach Hugh Freeze. All of them, I think, did a, an admirable, well, debatable about Philip Montgomery and his job. I, I don't know that Philip Montgomery was as bad as the results on the field were, so much as there was just not ever a synergy and harmony between him and Coach Hugh Freeze about what they wanted to do. And I think that that lack of ability for them to get on the same page impacted ultimately the product on the field. Uh, when you think about Coach uh, Coach Lack and what he was able to provide, I think he was great with the energy that he gave on the sidelines and in the locker room. I think that he was able to put together a running back room that is top-notch, one of the best running back rooms, I think, in the country, probably not utilized as well as they could have been, uh, but did a fabulous job in his time here. So offensively, those are the only two guys that are going to be any different. But the offense, let's be clear, was not good last year. It, I don't know what measure you could use to to combat that, but it wasn't a good offense. 
Um, and that doesn't fall on the feet of those two gentlemen by themselves, but they're a part of that, right? So you have to take that into consideration. I'm just talking about on the field stuff right now. Uh, let's flip it to the other side and talk about on the field product. When you talk about guys who departed, Ron Roberts gone, Zach Etheridge gone, and the defense played well last year, right? So I don't think that you can debate whether or not those two gentlemen did their job as far as getting people prepared on the field for the most part, right? There were some games, LSU comes to mind, uh, the bowl game comes to mind, um, you know, end of the game, Iron Bowl comes to mind. There are situations in which you say to yourselves, okay, uh, the team was not adequately prepared to go out there and handle business in those games. Um, but overall, I don't think the uh, the, the, the fault completely lies at the feet of those two gentlemen who are departing, right? And so, and those are the only major uh, differences between last season and this season as far as what the on-the-field product is going to be. Uh, but those two depart um, from that side. Now let's talk about off the field, right? Let's talk about the um, the recruiting and the environment in the locker room and all those sorts of things that I think uh, help to pre- precipitate some of the instances, especially with the off the field uh, situation, in the defense. But let's talk off the field with Philip Montgomery, Coach Lack. Um, I don't know, and you know, someone definitely can correct me if I'm wrong. If Philip Montgomery helped you very much in the recruiting aspect, um, as much as I think that he needed to be able to do for Coach Freeze to either do one or the other, right? I think. Coach Freeze needed to be able to be able to, to to get in on the recruiting end because you don't have Philip Montgomery, who is a an A plus recruiter or a guy who you feel like you can just hand that over to. Uh, so he doesn't really help you in that aspect. Now, as far as locker room and all that sort of thing, no issues with Philip Montgomery from anybody who I've talked to within the program. Again, he and Coach Freeze might not have had ideological. Um, they, they might not have been aligned ideologically and and ha- had a game plan in which they could both feel confident going into the thing. But outside of that, I think Philip Montgomery, fine. Lack, you know, he is a good recruiter. He was able to land some prospects that I think people are very satisfied with here at Auburn as far as the running back room. Outside of running backs, um, I don't know what Lack was providing to you Uh as far as recruiting is concerned, whether or not you felt like he could just kind of take over the recruiting process away from what Coach Shoe Freeze was doing. So, but I think Lack did a, an, an excellent job. He was he was definitely good in the locker room and he gave you that kind of energy. You know, people credit him with, you know, speeches before games and halftime and all that sort of thing. So Coach Lack was definitely there to bring the kind of uh, camaraderie that you want in your locker room. The the guys in the offense felt good being able to go and talk to him, you know, kind of big brother, uncle type of feel. So he was good for your locker room and he was good for you off the field. Of course, being a, a, a an Auburn man doesn't hurt and he really embodied what it was to be, to be able to speak to that perspective. So no issues there. Now you flip it to the other side though. There were some issues on the defensive side as far as what was happening amongst coaches on the defensive side, amongst coaches and players on the defensive side. So that needed to get fixed. And despite how well it worked on the field, and I think that that is kudos to the young men that were in there making it happen on the field, um, despite what was happening in the locker room, it needed to get fixed. Uh, You know, Ron Roberts, great scheme, great defensive mind. 
just didn't get along well with some people on the staff in, in, in the locker room. So that needed to change. So you bring in, and, and some of this stuff we can't really talk about until we actually see it as far as the off-the-field stuff. Uh, but what we can talk about is some of the things that have happened in the past with these young men or with these – I shouldn't say young men because the, you know, some of the guys are probably older than me. Uh, but now you have a new staff that's comprised of Kent Austin, who was always a part of your staff last season, now being promoted to an on-the-field capacity with quarterbacks. Um, Coach Hugh Freeze is going to be calling the plays, so there shouldn't be any situational alignments as far as what the strategy is going to be. He, Kent Austin, and uh, Derek Nix, who's going to be your OC slash running backs coach. Those things, you should have alignment in that regard, but will the -the on-the-field product be better than it was last year? That's yet to be seen, but I would assume that at least the product is going to be more coherent this year because it should be coming from a singular source and everybody of the same mind about what the marching orders are going to be. Now, when you take that to off the field, uh, did you get better in your ability to recruit? Because we can't really talk about locker room and all that sort of thing yet. But did you get better in your ability to recruit and put a recruiting organization together on the offensive side of the ball? Kent Austin, Philip Montgomery, even though they're not the same title, I'm just kind of using them comparatively about what they add to you from a recruiting standpoint. I think it's a bit of a wash. I don't know Kent Austin. I don't know how much he gives to you as far as recruiting is concerned. Uh, Both of them are good quarterback minds, so you can sell quarterback recruits on their ability to help them develop as QBs. Um, You know, and the three-headed monster of Freeze, Montgomery, Austin, Better than a two-headed monster of just Freeze and Austin? I don't know, right? So I think maybe that's a wash right there. Uh, But then you talk about what you get with Derek Nix as your running backs coach and offensive coordinator. Is that an upgrade? Um, His overall recruiting profile, probably a little bit better. And because I think he provides you a little bit more, and again, I, I don't, take this to mean that I don't think that Lack worked hard because he absolutely was out on the road consistently. Um, I think that he understands a little bit more because he's worked with them in the past, what Coach Hugh Freeze wants to do from a recruiting standpoint. And I think that he is more equipped to take on more in that capacity just because he's done it a little bit more. Again, this isn't about capability of Lack and whether or not you could have put more on his plate and he would have been able to deliver. I just think that Coach Hugh Freeze may feel a little bit more comfortable and his comfort level with being able to hand those things off, I think, is of the utmost importance when you talk about whether or not overall this was an upgrade. So I'll give a slight edge on the offensive side to the new guys in terms of that. Again, can't quantify yet what the locker room culture is going to be as a result of all of this, but slight edge, I think, um, that it'll be in that regard to to the offensive side because, again, you still have the rest of the, the staff that's the same. So you kind of comparatively, those things shouldn't be any different. Now, let's flip it over to the defensive side and you talk about the addition of DJ Durkin and Charles Kelly. Um, and then kind of, you know, even though Wesley McGriff was there, a guy who has kind of, you know, was gone and then came back, I think defensively, from a, uh, let's talk on the field first. From an on the field standpoint, um, Durkin versus Ron Roberts. I mean, I, I I think Durkin, I might give the edge to DJ Durkin as far as like what he's been able to do in his first year and being able to, to improve defenses year over year. I might have to give the edge to Durkin. Um, I think schematically they're very similar, 
but yet to be seen whether or not that's going to play out on the field. And I, th- but, and I think the sum total of Durkin plus Charles Kelly might get you better on the field results, even though I think Zach Etheridge is a good on the field coach and had, you know, a great safety group that was out there being playmakers for this team. One of the better groups on the team, in fact. Uh, but I do think that the the combination of those two might be a little bit better on the field in terms of schematically and just historically, you know, and and it's almost not fair to compare the the historic nature of a Charles Kelly to a Zach Etheridge just because Charles Kelly has a much longer career to be able to look at. But his experience and I think where he is in his career as far as I don't think Charles Kelly is really looking to move around too much more. So it might be a better fit for him here in Auburn being a place where he wanted to come back to as far as the longevity at that position. As long as he wants to coach there and he's performing up to the level that he feels is his standard and coach, I think he's going to be there and cemented in that spot. So uh, from that standpoint, I think you get better there. Now, from a recruiting off the field standpoint, again, can't quantify um, anything as far as locker room, but you'd be remiss not to bring up, you know, what happened with Maryland with DJ Durkin. And, you know, you can't just ignore that and his history there. Um, so he he does come in with a little bit of baggage, and I think it's going to be interesting to see how the locker room embraces him because usually what you get with in those situations is apprehension initially until they get to know the guy, right? And so I think that that process of them figuring out, and that's going to be interesting to see how Coach Hugh Freeze, DJ Durkin, how they figure out how to get this team acclimated to DJ Durkin and whether or not they're able to block out the noise of all this other stuff. Um, that is going to come in that kind of taints your perspective walking in the door. Um, and I don't know when he officially is supposed to be in Auburn. Um, so we'll definitely try to keep tabs on that. So it's going to be interesting to see how that works with he and the, uh, the, the staff and with the team. Uh, but as far as rec- uh, from a recruiting perspective, is DJ Durkin a better recruiter than Ron Roberts? I think hands down DJ Durkin wins that. Um, then when you get again into the Charles Kelly versus Zach Etheridge, which of those two is a better recruiter? If you talk about historically, I think you have to give the edge to Charles Kelly, right? I think that those two guys of the two, Charles Kelly is the better recruiter of the two as far as what his recruiting profile is. Now, as far as who's the best out there talking to people and selling Auburn, yet to be seen what Charles Kelly can do there, but he is an Auburn man, right? So we'll see how that goes. Um, but again, I can't really quantify the locker room pers- perspective of that because I do think that you lose quite a bit with Zach Etheridge walking out of the door from a locker room perspective and his ability to relate to the young men in that locker room. So that's going to be interesting to see how they're able to make up for that portion leaving. Now you're, you get a lot back with Wesley McGriff coming back in the door there and that ability to be able to, to relate. Um, but going to be interesting. I don't think Charles Kelly has had any issue, um, in his previous stops of being able to relate to young men in the locker room. So I don't think that you're going to, you know, it's going to be a, an absolute, you know, 100% loss there. But I do think that you do get a little bit more from the recruiting perspective. And I think that you probably get a, a little more depth of knowledge when it comes to the coaching perspective on the field. So I have to give the upgrade over to the defensive side as well. Uh, so overall, my opinion, yes, the staff got better in this offseason. 
Will that result in more wins and all that? I don't know the answer to that because, again, the locker room culture and finding the right guys and fit for scheme are ultimately what's going to determine whether that happens. But I do think that this coaching staff is upgraded. If they're able to keep this core coaching staff together for a couple of seasons, Auburn should be trending up from a recruiting perspective and then subsequently from an on-the-field perspective because you'll have, be, be will buzzword, continuity. But y'all don't come here to listen to me rattle on about this stuff. You come to get your opinions in, and now's the time for you to get those opinions heard. So I want to do that. Before we do that, we definitely need to talk about show sponsor today, and that is Manscaped. Always a pleasure to have Manscaped on here supporting the war report. Roses are red, violets are blue. Trim your balls and your date will thank us too. What's up, fellas? Valentine's Day is knocking and Manscaped is the remedy for what the love doctor ordered. His prescription, the all-new Performance Package 5.0 Ultra, designed to elevate your grooming game and shrine like the heartthrob you are. And shine, excuse me, like the heartthrob you are. Join 10 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with our exclusive offer. Going to manscaped.com and snag 20% off plus free shipping when you use code RAPPORT. That's 20% off plus free shipping with code RAPPORT. Let's talk about the heroes of Valentine's Day, the Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. The electric trimmer features skin-safe technology guarding your V-Day treasure against any grooming mishaps. It also comes with the brightest LED spotlight yet. It's brighter than your best romantic smile. Perfect for the precise grooming, even in the thickest spots. Oh, and it's waterproof too, making shower shaves a breeze. Again, head to manscaped.com and use code report when you do that. And we definitely appreciate you all for supporting the people who support the war report. Valentine's Day is coming up. So guys, make sure that you get yourself in order. Or ladies, you know what I'm saying? Hook your fella up with a little something. You know, a little hint, hint. Like, hey, hey, handle your business. War Report family, you are listening to The Morning Drop, where we talk about the most recent and relevant Auburn sports news. We broadcast live from The War Report's YouTube channel on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 Central Time. You're welcome to come watch it live, but the live chat is reserved for our YouTube channel members only. So come on by, become a member, and get active in the best Auburn sports community on the webs. We'll be right back after we pay a couple bills. Thanks for sticking around through the ad break. Now, here's the rest of your morning drop. drop. All right, let's get over here into the comment section, see what you guys are talking about. Definitely appreciate everybody who dropped in with me this morning, talking a little Auburn football, a little upgrade or nah for the coaching staff. We'll get Chris S. jumping in here and says, when was the last time we had a season of a competent offense? 2017? Um, a full season? Yeah, probably 2017. Uh, I'd argue the beginning of year one, Harson before Bo Nix got hurt, that offense started to look pretty competent. But um, once you got, ah, no, you know what? Because once you got past that old Miss game, second half offense was, yeah, 2017, 2017. Probably, 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 probably. Uh, let's see. Stay Fly says, I don't I don't know how to feel about the hires. I think a lot of potential here, but the fan base has me confused. Um, bro, the fan base is gonna be all over the place. You're just gonna have to make your own determinations about it, right? Like you look at resumes of guys, and we've talked about the resume of Charles Kelly when he got hired. We talked about the resume 
of uh, DJ Durkin when he got hired. We talked about the resume of uh, Derek Nix when he got hired. I think those resumes speak for themselves. I don't think that you can argue with the resumes of those folks. Uh, Then it just comes down to cohesion and whether or not they're able to put plans together for the young men that they have in the locker room. And that's yet to be determined, right? But the product on the field is going to be for next year. You can't determine that in advance. But what you can say is none of these people who have been hired have bad resumes. All of them are top notch at what they do. As far as calling defenses, as far as recruiting, top notch. I don't think that there is a debate about that. Now, you can debate, I guess, about um, whether or not it's going to be a right fit for the culture. And I think that there are some people out there who just don't like the fact that Caddy and Etheridge were gone. We didn't even talk about, you know, some of the off the field stuff with Trevon Reed versus Will Redmond. And we'll get into that, I think, a little bit more uh, tonight on the Midweek Rapport. But yeah, I, I don't know that again, that there's ever going to be a universally liked change that happens amongst any fan base. Somebody's going to always be like, ah, well, I don't know, because insert reasoning that may be valid, may be valid reasoning, but ultimately the product on the field is what's going to determine that. And we will see very soon what that product is going to be. Corey Weber says, don't let the fan base confuse you. Stay fly. Look at the facts and form an opinion. Hey, listen, facts are facts, right? Like you, you can, the facts are, you know, national recruiter of the year, top five recruiter of the year, walking in the door. You got two guys that have been that in DJ Dirk and Charles Kelly, right? Um, the facts are Derek Nix has been an impressive recruiter throughout his career. Facts are that he's comfortable uh, in the Coach Hugh Freeze system. Facts are that, you know, um, DJ Durkin and, or excuse me, Kent Austin is a guy who has been touted as one of the better quarterback minds that are out there. Like, those are facts. Now, again, will any of that equate to more wins in year one on the field? And will a lot of people judge year one based upon all of those things? Um, you know, all of the things I just said, people are going to be going to definitely look at year one and say, hey, either this was a success or not in the first season of it happening. Yeah, absolutely. They'll do that. And they'd be justified in doing that. But if year two years yields better results, are they going to say, well, you know, I wasn't with it last year, but this year it looks like it's coming together. Probably not. <laughs> they probably won't. Right. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Corey Weber jumps back in. Offense upgraded as soon as Freeze took over play calling responsibilities. Um, You know, listen, I can't disagree that the offensive philosophy should be better. I I think I still think that Philip Montgomery got a little bit of a raw deal in terms of he never fully got the keys. Right. Like it's um, it's like you're driving one of those cars that has the the you know, you're a student driver and you got your your teacher there on the other side and they got a brake pedal and a steering wheel. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you don't fully have control of the car, but everybody's blaming you for the maneuverings of the vehicle. That's not 100% fair. Uh, Philosophically, I think that Philip Montgomery has a sound plan of what he wants to do offensively. Um, But I don't know that we ever got to see the fullness of that plan actualized. Now, as far as game day decisions, play calling, Um, I don't know enough about who was calling plays in what scenario. What I do know is that it wasn't working. 
it wasn't working. And I think that the fact that Coach Hugh Freeze now has or is 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 claiming the autonomy of that gives you a very clear direction. And that matters when it ter- in terms of being able to uh, have a game plan that guys can go out there and execute because they know what they're being asked of game, but play in and play out as opposed to this to like, I, I'm not a guy who was completely against two quarterbacks. I hate the way that we employ the two quarterback system. What I am against though, is two different playbooks. And like I, that stuff right there is just silly like that. I, I don't even understand what we were doing there. So we'll see. We'll see how it plays out in year one under coach Hugh Freeze. Somebody got upset at me, by the way, the other day for saying like this is like year one point da 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 because Coach Hugh Freeze was now is like more. We're going to see more of what Coach Hugh Freeze was hired or people thought he was going to come in and do and revolutionize the offense. I, I, I don't know why y'all get mad at everything I say like it's the gospel, but like, hey, it is what it is, man. Like I, I, I'm allowed to have an opinion. It's my show. I love y'all though. Uh, Big Gap says, I will give the offensive staff a 100 if they can scheme Thorne into his strength and mini- strengths and minimize his weaknesses. Yeah, I mean, listen, if you're able to turn Peyton Thorne back into Cinderella from the pumpkin that, now he wasn't the pumpkin, and back into the stagecoach from the pumpkin, that's better because Cinderella was the same either way. She just had a different dress on. I almost messed up that metaphor, and I'm really good at metaphors. If you're able to turn him back into the stagecoach from the pumpkin that he turned into last season, then I think that you definitely get high marks as a play caller, as a schemer, as whatever. Uh, Because last year was very pumpkin-esque. Like, let's just be clear. It wasn't good from Peyton Thorne. Wasn't good. And you can lay more blame at whoever else you want to. We're just talking about Peyton Thorne right now. Now, we can have a separate discussion about other people. Peyton Thorne looked very pumpkin last year. We need to see more stage coach in this coming season. So we'll see. Corey Weber says, no competition competition between Knicks and Lack recruiting-wise, and we all love Lack. Um, I don't know that no competition. I, I think, again, I think you, you run into the same kind of scenario when you're talking about comparing Charles Kelly as a as a safeties coach to Zach Etheridge as a safeties coach. I think that one had just been doing it longer, so their resume looks better on paper because they've got more resume to show. I think in the small sample size that you have with Lack, let, so first and foremost, let's talk about um, mentorship and the ability to have guys that really put you in a position to maximize your opportunities. And this is going to sound disrespectful to um, Gus Malzahn and uh, to to just the, the coaches, the head coaches that Lack was under. I don't know that anybody ever really taught him how to be good at that. And that's one of the problems that you have with the whole scenario of people wanting Lack to come in uh, last year and be the head coach. Like Lack doesn't have, nobody ever really taught Lack how to do any of these jobs. They just had him come in and be a charismatic guy and and do what he his God-given ability allowed him to do. You know, he was his God-given ability allowed him to be a great football player, but somebody had to teach him how to be a running back, right? Like, ah, yeah, you know how to run the football, but do you know how, you know, when when you get to your third step on this zone read, you need to be at this place cuz that's where your cutback lane and this is how you read like God-given ability takes you to a place that a lot of people can't get to, 
but mentorship is what pushes you over the top. And when you talk about guys like Charles Kelly, he's had a lot of good coaching mentors in his life that have allowed him to get better incrementally over the years at doing that job, right? He didn't come in the door just being this amazing recruiter. And you can say the same thing about Um, Derek Nix, like he's had some coaches that have mentored him and allowed him to flourish in ways that I don't know that either Etheridge or Lack have gotten yet in their careers. Uh, So I don't know that it's necessarily fair to compare their resumes, but it does say it does make you feel like if you're coach Hugh Freeze and you want to be able to take your hands off of stuff and give it to a guy who you know can do it, then you you absolutely got better in that regard, right? And so you know, hey, listen, I think that Lack's going to be amazing, but he does need somebody at some point in time because I don't think that Gus Malzahn or Harson or year one Hugh Freeze were ever in the position to to allow him to be mentored in that way as far as a coach is concerned. Uh, and that's something that they need to make sure that they're getting better at. Um, and, and, I, and maybe Malzahn's gotten better that, at that as he's at UCF. I don't know what he's doing over there. Um and Coach Harson isn't coaching right now, so I don't know what hap- was happening with him as far as his ability to do any of that stuff. But they need that to be able to grow. Uh, and just putting a new title on someone doesn't mentor them for that space. Uh, Chris S. says, with Freeze calling plays, would the fan base be okay with only a top 15 finish in 2025 recruiting? We lost some good recruiters this offseason. We got some good recruiters this offseason. So... Um, I don't, so let's, let's answer the first question first. Will the fan base be okay with only a top 25, uh, excuse me, top 15 finish? No, they're not going to be. Let's just be clear. Coach Hugh Freeze said himself that if we're not at this place by this time, we're going to be looking for jobs. Now he got there pretty close in year one. They're going to expect better results in year two. So you set the bar pretty high for yourself out the gate with eight. So, uh, and I think it's going to be people expecting year two to be a top six, top five finish, regardless of what the offense looks like this year. If you fall out of the top 10, people will be upset. Uh, it's, it is. It's going to happen. Uh, Chess uh, Rockwell jumps in. Is it true Saban interviewed Durkin to be his D.C. before deciding to retire? Um it was, I think that they had like a phone conversation about it before that point in time. I don't know that he ever was brought in for a formal interview, but they he at least had a conversation with him about potentially coming in for an interview before the retirement happened. Um, so, and I don't even know why social media is such a weird place um, that I don't even know why that's a debated thing out there because that was widely reported that it happened. Um, just like he... Talk to Coach Freeze before he ultimately decided to go in a different direction. Like they, the, these, these conversations happen. Listen, DJ Durkin's a good defensive coordinator, man. Like, what are we talk? Like, are, are we really having the conversation about whether or not top head coaches want to bring DJ Durkin in to be their DC? No, that's not a real thing. Coaches all over this conference would. There are very few coaches in this in the Southeastern Conference that would not love to have DJ Durkin as their defensive coordinator, because he's good. He's good at what he does. So I don't know what this whole 
reimagined reality where DJ Durkin's not a DC is coming from, but I. Uh, Steve Bradley says, I heard a current D lineman say that at this point, notice that two incoming freshmen in Lindsay and Blockton could help in rotation yet to be determined just from how they work and mental mindset. Uh, promising. So current D lineman saying that they like the work ethic of a couple of the freshmen coming in could help immediately. Definitely good to see. Uh, I think that this is going to be a year where coach Garrett has his work cut out for him to figure out what the rotations are going to be like along that defensive line and how to get productivity out of some guys that either have not produced at this level yet or haven't played enough snaps to know what you're getting out of them. But a lot of talent that I think is going to uh, need to get coached into proper position and looking forward to seeing how they deploy all of that talent. Tim, the tool main Taylor says is the plan to develop Knicks into a play caller. I don't know the answer to that. I would assume yes, but you know, listen, I, I don't know how coach freeze gets over his desire to have the play sheet in his hand on game day. I don't know how you get past that. Gus Malzahn has struggled with that his entire career. And I think coach Hugh Freeze will struggle with that for his entire career. So I don't know uh, what that development is supposed to look like, but yeah, I don't, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that yes, that he at some point in time will be allowed to do that. Cause I think that that's a desire of his, uh, but we'll see. We'll see. And that's, I think that's another thing when we talk about development of coaches that, you know, listen, coaches, Coaches around the country have this issue, and I'll, I'll stop talking after this, of figuring out what development looks like. This is what I think Nick Saban does, did better than anybody else around the country, was set a program in place and develop people along the path of getting them to the next place of wherever they wanted to be in their career. He developed coaches better than I think any other college football coach had done in their career up to that point and and yet to be seen whether anybody else is going to be able to duplicate that kind of success of just being able to just be a coaching mill like when you talk about coaching trees like coaching trees exist when you've learned something from a guy and you're able to go out there and at some level reproduce their type of success, whether it is developing your own system that's similar or a program that is going to mirror the operations of that with your own twist. He did that better than anybody else. Um, and that's the problem. I think this is the biggest problem that most organizations have. Let's not even talk about football, football, basketball, corporate America. Developing leaders from within a culture is a problem in most organizations, and the best leaders have systems in place that develop other good leaders underneath them. That's going to be a big thing, I think, for Coach Hugh Freeze to figure out how to do is how do you develop leaders that can be successful in your absence? Um, and it's yet to be seen whether or not he's going to be able to do that here at Auburn, but that is the sincere hope of everyone who is an Auburn fan so that this program is in a good place moving forward. All right, that's enough of me talking. We got so much more conversation to have tonight on the Midweek Report, so you guys make sure you're back and tuned into that. As always, the Morning Drop is brought to you by the Rogue Shop. Make sure you hit them up, rogueshop.com, using code REPORT when you do that. Get you a little something off of your purchase when you go to America's number one online dispensary. Like the video, subscribe to the channel, share the content. Until the next time, and as always, War Eagle. Drop!
Drive! 